I don't know. Like, why would you put your feet in water that's on top of, like, an active super volcano? You know what I mean? That just seems like... The key is to focus on trying to find... This is how I was doing it. I put my feet in there, and I just focused on something else because I was genuinely trying to find the bubbles coming out of the water so I can record them. But then we all came to the conclusion that maybe I shouldn't... Um, try to put my GoPro into boiling water. Um, it was a debate. It was yeah, a debate. I was. I really wanted to get like a good underwater shot of the bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> but I want the picture. So, That's what the brain said. It was like throw was away, like, throw away physics, throw away the brain, mechanics. The brain is like, you did it before with your phone. You put the water. You put the phone in the water, and it got ruined. But in the end, you know, you did it for the shot blah 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 so maybe you can get the shot and then the gopro will malfunction but then i leave it out for god knows how long and maybe it'll come back to life like my phone Is that's that, where my brain that's goes. kind of your solution to things like oh i'll kill him but then i'll leave him outside for a bit and he might be no, better i killed it before <laughs> and i thought it was dead forever but then it came back to life so then i was like maybe this will be the same incident where Right, you can't apply that to everything, though, you know? Like, you you kill Jerry the chicken, put him outside, and he might give... Oh, my God! Oh, my God! Oh, my God, though! Speaking of dead Jerry's, we were driving, and we almost... No, we didn't almost get lost. But we... Ahmed missed a turn, so we had to make a U-turn. Okay? And then when we made the U-turn, and and we went to the actual, like, turn where we were supposed to turn from the get-go, the corner... There was like four or five dead cows on their side. I was so sad. <gasps> I was like, oh my gosh, they're dead. And you know, I looked up. Apparently it's a thing. There are like cows just showing up like randomly dead, dead. Yeah, mysterious dead cows yeah. across America. Literally. The end times, you know. So, you know. No, but, well, like, yeah. like we, 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 dro- we drove by and it was just like, we we passed the corner of this this uh, ranch and then it's just a bunch of cows laying on their sides, and like not moving. And I was like, yeah, they're they're sleeping. It's fine. We saw. We'll just it, it will just go. And she's like, they're dead. Um, and they're then dead. I took, and then I just like I have this like instinct of like wanting to document things. So then I took a picture and a video. As we drew by, it yeah, it's like by. it's like one of those moments but where it's like, oh, crying, oh, they're dead. And I got it. Then takes out her phone. But ah. also, I was taking the video because I personally wanted to knock on whoever's farm that is, knock on their door, and be like, hey, by the way, four or five of your missing cows are actually dead. Here's video evidence. Go find it. Right. <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to let you know like this. Yeah, but. Ahmed was like, you can't just like show up at somebody's house or farm and be like, hey, I found your dead cows. <laughs> like, it's not nice. It just a lot of things go through my brain all at the same time. All I'm saying is, I am emotionally scarred for life. I saw dead cows. I don't know how they died, and then they're just dead, and I'm sad that they're dead. We saw's got the soul of a of a detective, but the tolerance of a child. So. No, I have the tolerance of a detective with the soul of a child. So I had the tolerance to take a video of it and be like, okay, oh, the other way around. Right. Other way around. But deep down inside, I'm so sad. <laughs> I'm so I'm sad. Sad. Like it just was really sad to. It just like <sighs> broke my heart to see. But them you know dead. what? Because we did come across that was alive. Time, what? It, oh yeah. 
Tell me, what did we come across that was a lie? Just trying to move away from dead cow territory. <laughs> I mean, the opposite of dead cow is live. Live bison. Bison! Oh my gosh, we saw... Okay, so this is what happened. What happened was, we were walking... Okay. There is this water... We went to a Yellowstone Park <laughs> with my parents. And I'm going to plug this in. I'm really proud of my mom. For hiking seven miles it's her first time hiking mashallah so, mashallah mashallah i was just like such a proud you know i'm just like mm, mashallah i was just so so proud of her because she's never hiked before and she did not only like hiking but she did a whole seven miles so i was really proud of her um so we we went to see the geysers um covid is a thing and we like to see the geysers from afar so we went up to this like viewpoint and saw the geysers from afar instead of up close and personal in people's faces where the crowds were around the geysers. Um, and so so we went up there, and then we came down, and they're like, okay, we're going to go see the... There's this big fa- waterfall called Fairy Falls. Yep, Fairy um, Falls. Fairy Falls. And so we're like, okay, let's hike to it. It's not that bad of a hike. We walk, we walk, we walk. We see the sign, and Ahmed, all of us read it pretty much. Um, as you go straight, but we went the wrong straight anyways. Cause there, okay. So before there was a sign that went straight and it meant like, don't go straight, but just follow the path. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then we saw another sign that was like same arrow, but there's a big like turn. It was like, okay, we'll yeah. follow the path. Yeah. So we just were like, just follow the path. So we follow the path. Um, so it's like this pathway and then there's like a little hill that you go down and then there's this stream slash Baby yeah, this river. river that's coming out of, like, the um, prismatic, yeah. like, uh lake. uh, lake or whatever. So, yeah. um, and so we look down, and my dad sees there's this, um, there's this bison just chilling. It's all baby bison. It's like a baby bison, right? Um, and so we were seeing it, I mean, like a teenage bison, because a baby baby bison teenage, yeah. wouldn't be that far away from its... He was a, he was, you could, you could feel away. the angst, right? Yeah. It had... <laughs> I mean, so much so that, Gosh. like, when we were down there, he, like, gave us a show. He, like, oh flopped on his side and gave himself no, a little dust bath. No, he gave himself, yeah, a dust bath and everything. <laughs> Pretty so much. So we saw this cutesy-pootsy, beautiful little bison, and we were at a good safe distance because, like, in all the maps and stuff, it gives you, like, um, a guide of how far away to be from the wildlife and according by according to wildlife. So bison are usually kind of calm, so you need about, like, two bus lengths um, or, like, truck lengths or whatever in between you and the animal. Because um, they will safe. charge you. They like will charge bowl. you if you get any closer, right? Like, Or if you agitate them enough. So if you get closer, you have a higher risk of agitating them. Um, so if anybody out there, a side note, do not agitate wildlife. Be, like, respect their, their space and respect the distance that's... Um, you know, that's, that's re- recommended to you. Unless it is, like, cooked or dead. But don't cook or kill any wildlife. Anyways, um, <laughs> and then when it comes to like uh, bears and wool and like wolves mountain or lions mountain lions or whatever, like there's obviously you put a little bit more distance Farther. between you and the animal because you know they are could be deadly, whatever. Um, and so we were at a good safe distance from up there. He rolled around, did his thing, and then he stood up and then looked me straight into my soul. And we were like, okay, maybe we should like start moving now. 
Um, but then he went back to grazing, so I took a little bit more, a few more shots. So we just like really appreciated the beautiful bison moment. So we're just like, wow, it was amazing. so nice. All right, so now we're like, okay, it's you know we gotta we gotta walk a little bit more because we gotta go we see these falls. Out where this fa- these falls are because we're walking, 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 and we're not getting anywhere. But it's fine. We'll just figure it out, right? We're walking some more, and my dad was like, okay. Um, it's gonna get dark soon, so we'll walk for 30 more minutes. If within 30 minutes we don't get to this place, then we just have to, we're just gonna have to walk back. So we start like pushing it. Yeah, we're walking a little bit faster. And then my dad like stops and he sees he like you know those like little trail signs like you know like the the big wooden ones that have like the map on them and everything when you go hiking. He spotted one of those kind of in the distance. Or or he he said it's either that or like a like a like a like a cabin like a little or like shack a shed or whatever. Cuz we've been walking right? for a while. We were yeah. far from the gate. So it was like, "Oh, we can stop by here and ask for like directions or stuff." And then he like got a little closer and he like did a double take. That wasn't a shack. It was a it was a whole mama llama bison just like ginormous it just like bison we, we took like 10 steps closer and then the shack raised its head and we were like oh oh that's not that's not it's not a shack it's a bison and and it's it was on the actual trail or like at the edge of the actual trail right, like so where a sign we, would be yeah where a sign would be right so it's just like if we walked it there was no physical way for us to like walk past it and be within safe distance like so we're just like okay this concludes our journey. We're going to turn back now. And we just like slowly, quietly, just like tiptoed away. Right. And we're like, did he see us? Maybe he didn't see us. He didn't see us. And we're just like walking away. And then like every three seconds, you're looking Look back. Look over your shoulder. sure he's not following us or just like charging us. Because they can if you, it, it is like if you do kind of get in their space and they feel threatened, they can flip you over just like, like a bull. Easy pe- they're like, a like bull. more bull than bison yeah, than, than cows. Than cow, right? So they're gentle, but when you threaten them, they have no problem killing you, you know? Right. Um, and and so, they have like utilitarian horns. It's just like yeah, straightforward. Yeah. People die. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, that's. Those, those are that was our beautiful encounter with with uh, with the, the bison. Like, we just. We, we not only saw one, but we saw two bison. And it was kind of. Great and amazing and well, the second bison at least like he turned us back on the trail. We yeah. went all the way back and we reread the sign and we're like, oh, we realized we took the wrong turn. The falls are that way. <laughs> so oh at my the gosh. end of the day, and then we were like, okay, let's go, let's go to the falls. It's about a mile and a half, or a mile point one point six miles, one point seven miles. Right, and it was like starting there. to get to be like sunset, so yeah. we we're like, all right, we need okay. to either book it or yeah, because you're not supposed to be out on the trails after at night because um, the sun goes down because mountain animals, lions, right. <laughs> Um, we ran away from a bison. So, it doesn't then, even eat people. <laughs> um, so, but then we were walking through the trees. So the path to get to the waterfall was actually more tree, um, f- filled with trees and stuff. So we were in the shade of the um, of the forest um, because there's still sun outside, but under the trees, it's all shady, right? The mosquitoes came out, and they started like. Swarm like we'll lock Like if you ever have like see, like Swarm. heard like a beehive, like we just went through and it was just like <gasps> of, of, of mosquitoes. mosquitoes. <laughs> and they were just like biting your eyelid, your like in your nose. I put my mask on even though there was no people around us because I just couldn't. I just 
they got through your clothes. Like, my mom was wearing layer on layer, and she still has, like, a bunch of, like, mosquito bites all over her arms. Like, it was just... So we didn't make it to the waterfall. So, so we run from the mosquitoes, too, and, yeah. and we and saw his dad was like, today we really proved our, we proved our bravery. <laughs> we Not only did we run away from a whole bison, we ran away from mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. yeah yeah we're not here we're not cut out for this <laughs> well so to be but full, full disclosure chat. though like without like like you know um we it's because so my mom one thing we can run from a bison or hide behind a tree or climb a tree or whatever but like my parents you know like we can't my mom has her like ankle she had surgery on it a few years ago and she's still like in the process of healing um, or not healing. Um, so I don't she think we need really... a reason to not approach the... No, no, no. I know. But I'm saying she can't... She can't... All I know is my parents, like, couldn't really run away from a situation. Basically, or... you're trying to say, I wasn't scared of the bison. I was scared for my parents, kind of thing. No, it, it was like a mixture of two, right? Mm. It was like, push, come to shove. We run for our life. And if it gets to us, it gets to us, right? But, like, when you can't run, you can't even try to run right I wanted to ride it so there's that but also like um the i don't know it just it just got like you know i just you know out of respect for my parents kind and of the animals and well and the animals but well, like no. um this we is just their house tur- we kind of turned we didn't want to push them too much i mean but like i said really proud of my mom seven freaking miles hooray, mashallah, hooray. Mashallah, mashallah. um so that was great oh, and then we passed by this couple and they were like Oh, which oh. way to the falls is like, oh my god, go, don't go that way. There's, There's a, bison, a bison, and you should really keep your distance. This is, this is, and it's not even the way to the falls. You should go this way. And they're like, oh, sweet, a bison? Let's go. And then they just went well, off towards the bison. He, I was so, like, I think, I was so, like, wait, no! Honestly, I think, I think for what he was, he, so he was like, he was no, already, he was dying. Oh, well, yeah, the, guy the, was the girl like, was like about seeing the bison, like the, and he was like the, on the edge. No, he, but he, for him, it was more like the reason why he was like, let's go for the bison, because the falls was still farther than the first bison. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was covered in mosquito bites, because the first thing he, like, he, when I, we approached them and, like, to warn them, there is a bison on the trail. Like, there's one down there, but then there's one on the trail. Um, he was like, do y'all have bug spray by any chance? <laughs> And I was well, like, I had to, no. He had like a walking stick and yeah. he was like drenched in sweat. Yeah. And I was like, oh, So he my was dude. just like, it's a shorter trek, less mosquitoes. Um, I'll take a bison over a mile and a half walk, two, and then a mile and a half, a three mile walk back and forth um, within in mosquito land without bug repellent. So yeah, they, they um, probably, we're probably the last humans they ever saw. Yeah. So, um, Actually, yeah, <laughs> we do care for your. Yeah, we may be joking about the bison thing, but we—if you're alive and you're hearing us, do let us know. This is Third Culture Block, where you're from, from, with Wisal, Ahmed, and Muhammad. Episode one. Hey, you guys ever been to Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah. Oh Do you have Chuck E. Cheese over there? Don't we don't. So. What is that? Chuck E. Cheese is kind of like you go, you go into like a little arcade area. Your worst nightmare. And you uh, play games and you get tickets and then there's an animatronic mouse that is the brand and you That's use it. the tickets to get useless prizes. Do you have something similar to that? 
Wow, you're really selling me on this. Yeah, one. well, I mean, you're you're gonna wonder why I even brought it up uh, after you. I, I'm 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 already I'm already wondering. <laughs> and, you know, and then they come around wearing the Chucky like the Chucky um, costume, and then like all the other cost like all the other. Well, characters. what they give you to play the games are a bunch of tokens, right? Oh, and true. today we're talking about tokenization. So oh, here on Third Culture Block, hey. Here on Third Culture Block, we spend 99% of our time thinking of segues. <laughs> and setting- Not the content, just segues. <laughs> yeah, and setting up bad content. No, I mean, setting up bad... In <laughs> case we have some content to discuss, we have a way to segue between them. Yes, well, so the thing is, we basically spent... I would say, if we were to break down the podcast, right? I would say um, 40% is build up to bad jokes... Five percent is the actual bad joke, and the rest is just segues. It really is. It's just you know sixty percent segues and wheezing in the back. <laughs> yes, I feel uh, attacked. And I just laughing attacked. at our own bad jokes. I feel attacked, <laughs> called out, singled out. Wow. Okay, might as well say my name. You know, so tune in. You're gonna you strap in for the next hour. I- um, but speaking of you, th- you thought season one and two were bad. <laughs> Wait till you I mean, good. Hear Episode three, three is literally just wheezing. Huh. <laughs> wow. Okay, guys, I see you making fun of my. No, both of us, all of us do it. We all wheeze literally, when we laugh. We just did it, both of us. I also wheeze when I don't laugh. Yeah, you wheeze as a form of survival. That's fine, but um. <laughs> That's not what we're referring to. <laughs> so we actually got a message from one of our one of our listeners. Uh, uh, spoiler: It was my mom, um, <laughs> and her biggest fan, biggest, biggest fan, fan, biggest fan. Get you a mom like my mom. Uh, but <laughs> when the message first came in, uh, Mohammed saw it and he was like, "Who is Camila Owen?" And I was like, "That's my mom." He's like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I just didn't get it with the last name. I was like, "Oh yeah, Owen is like the anglicized version of Owen." And he's like, "Oh, Owen," um, and and that that kind of like blasted off us into a conversation about like. Um, like Libyan last names and then kind of going into my own last name which is like Mustafa here in the States but uh, Burga over there and no 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 say, say, say it like you mean it yeah Burga <laughs> there it is and it sounded like a comic book uh, a comic book uh, automatopoeia okay so that's the I don't know if we want to use it that that's way that's the build up that's the build up but yeah, and then it gets to it finally gets to Kifushka. Yeah, so so I suggested in in the comic books instead of Kapow and all that, they should have Burgia, Burgia, boom, plow, Burgia, bow, Burgia. <laughs> Weirdly enough, um, the translation is like the patches on a on a tattered cloak, Burgia. Um, there's like this whole generation of like Libyan uh, families that just like change their last names for humility or something sometime in like the 50s i don't know uh what it was but for humility for humility yes so like you have um 
all sorts of people who have changed their last names into something that's just like more humble, right? Uh, Burgia is like the translation. Uh, I think the our original was Ben Atia, right? The people of Atia. Um, Atia is a big family in uh, in Qatar, by the way. Oh, really? It's a huge tribe. We are we are Ben Atia over in Libya. So uh, fun fact about there that. You go. But like. Humil, humil, making a humility out of that. They didn't want. They, they were. It was giving you guys too much attention. Back yeah, there. right. So they were like, you know what? We need to be burgia. Let's, uh, <sighs> let's let's not. Really, talk. actually. And then everyone's like, where's, where's, where where have the Atiyas gone? And they're like, ah, oh, they've they disappeared. Oh Oof. yeah, they went back. I haven't seen them. Yeah, they went back. Gone. No, actually, the real the real history is uh, the Italians when they came down. It's uh, the famous Borgia family um, became the Borgias here in. in uh... <laughs> oh, I'm royalty, is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I'm, what I'm what I'm saying with with full humility, practically <laughs> <laughs> Italian royalty. <laughs> Way <laughs> my comeuppance is it's as soon <laughs> you'll see <laughs> mamma mia mamma mia dear lord make me a bird so I can fly far far away oh, oh my god yes no um, don't you want to be a drone she does uh, so the other day I was like dear lord make me a bird so I can fly far far away like a drone thank you <laughs> what why not fly like a bird? No, a drone because I want to be able to just. So the the reference is um, it's from Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. There's a scene where Janae is praying Jenny. in the field with Forrest, and she's like, "Please, Lord, make me a bird so Dear I can Lord, fly far, far away." Because her father beats her, and it's, it's like, like a horrible yeah, it's like her, upbringing. Yeah, or it's her whole like anytime she she gets down on her knees to pray, mm-hmm. like in bed, in the freaking. It's her go-to. Yeah, it's just like make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. And then uh, one time we were, I think we were watching it or something, and uh, we saw did something stupid, and I looked at her and said. Please, Lord, make me a bird so I can fly. (laughs) And since then, we've just been using it on each other. Just like every time one of us does something dumb. Um, Literally every time. Every time. But now she like discovered that she wants to be a drone. So she's added that to the end. So now it's like an intentional like, I please, Lord, make me a bird so I can fly like a drone. I feel like we should just make it, please, Lord, make me a drone. Also, I'm kind of working on a thing. Oh, we saw made a logo and it's badass. It's not badass. It's badass. Ooh. I'm just, I'm messing Let around with it. I'm messing Let around me with see. it. She was going to, I was like, did you send it to Mohammed? It's like, oh, my iPad lost about, right out of battery, Literally, so I can't like, do anything. I was die. like, what? <laughs> but I mean, can we just go back to the, fa- can we just go back to the, the part where we saw a complaint to you about the battery dying and then just went about her day. Yeah. As if the, there was no solution. That happened, yes. To the dead Literally battery. last night I walked in. I was like, oh my God, this looks so good. And she's like, I was like, have you shared it with Muhammad? She's like, oh, I'm just adjusting the background and then I'll send it send it his way. And then it died and she's like, well. And then just went. Like, I went and I put it, I put like, it in the I'm, charge. I, I'm going it, for a walk. I, I, put, like, I put it in the charger. <laughs> I mean, I put it in the 
charger and I went about my day doing other things. I'm not going to sit there <laughs> waiting for it to charge. Wait, 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 wait. I feel we have to explain that you don't have to throw the iPad away once the battery dies. <laughs> it's just like, oh, well, I guess I'll buy another one. Goodbye. I, what was that? That happened the other day with something. You were just like, I guess I got to throw it away. I don't remember. You remember that? Yeah. yeah you know what I'm talking about. Something else like the battery died and she's like, well, <laughs> she just never used it again. I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, it was something like nonsensical too. It's like really we thought it's like just get, put just, a new battery. Yeah, just put a new battery or something. Oh yeah. Anyway. The whole concept of fresh off the boat or freshies is is kind of messed up. Well. Wow, very passionate. Well, go ahead. I was trying to kick it off. <laughs> she came in there. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. She came in there strong, like she had something to say. Made eye contact and then just left the building. You, you look at you look Excellent. at the audio. It's just like normal sounds of audio, and then well, <laughs> and then it just goes back to normal. <laughs> we saw. Sorry. Go ahead. Ruin everybody. No, go ahead. I, I'm trying to get the or the actual like origin well the origin uh, is the people who came to the states immigrants right are fresh off the boat literally like you think back to the u.s and or at least fresh off the boat here in the u.s is based off of like all of the immigrants who came into new york when you know america was young it's boeing 77 the term originates in the early days of immigration when people mostly migrated to other countries by ship Fresh off the Boeing 707. Dang. Did you ever get, like, called a fob or or treated like a fob? Did people, like, avoid you because of that? No, because um, my family was friends with other fobs. <laughs> so we were in a clique. We had our own armada. <laughs> we recognized what we were. Yeah, we, exactly. we knew what we were um it wasn't something to be ashamed of either it's like okay we, we've moved to a new country for a new life so it wasn't really an issue of us in terms of identity or having you know fob aversion i feel that sort of thing came much later on after those that first initial mass migration of libyans mm. abroad mm. Spe- speaking specifically as a libyan right uh, i don't know about other nationalities but I feel today there's more or there's a stronger fob aversion than there was back in the day. Do you think it's related at all to like there being a uh, like established kind of generation of like first generation Libyan American or first generation whatever American? I think one thing that often like you're saying that you think about back home is you just like associate their mindset with your parents and with what you've kind of been grown up to know and, and learn. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think also part of it is that there is like that generation. So did you ever see that kind of in your communities where like more people would join and then it was like, oh, we just don't see eye to eye on the same things? Oddly enough, no. Um, it was actually the complete opposite. Every time as a kid, I learned that, oh, another family has just recently moved to the UK as well. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Somebody else is from Libya. That was the only thing in my head. Right. It wasn't, oh, I've been here for a year. I speak with the Queen's English. I speak <laughs> in the Queen's English. How dare you enter our territory? Who do you think you are? Well, um, we never really had that. I mean, I'm sure that happened. 
yeah. but I think the reason why in our household specifically we were raised in a way where we were taught that we will always go back we'll be going back to Libya right so that fob aversion was never really a thing because in our mind it's oh yeah they've come over from Libya uh, that's cool because we're going to be going back to Libya eventually anyway. Right. So there wasn't this, oh, now we're in the UK, خلاص, forget everything else that's happened before this. Um, yeah, that that sort of thing nev- was never part of the equation. What about you guys? I feel like it's super uh, prevalent, I don't know, in the States at least. Like you'll have like clicks get made of people who are um, first generation um and, like, I, I never th- felt that there was, like, an aversion within our own family or whatever. Like, we, uh, my dad, for instance, whenever, like, once or twice a month, our whole childhood was just him hosting these dinners at the house with, like, all of the young people who have come from Libya. Like, they don't know anybody or know anything here, but he would host, like, big dinners at the house, right? So serving bowls and bowls of bazine to everybody and then like sharing bowls right yeah no and uh it was it was like an opportunity for everybody to just kind of like you know meet each other and talk to each other and be like hey you're welcome here hey there's like a little taste of home kind of thing um but it is super common and i'd say like even within myself i had i had developed a little bit of that internal bias where like i see arabs or i see libyans and i like freeze up because oh like they might uh, they might talk to my family about it or like I might not be Arab enough or I might not be Muslim enough. Mm. Um, and uh, that association with just like um, if I, you know, we, we may not see things the, the same way, right? Um, and I, I think partially it's like kind of taking what you're saying the other way where we were raised always to go back to Libya and... Um, mm. I had a very firm idea of what Libya was like in my head. Like, oh, nobody does anything bad in Libya, right? It's like, right, <laughs> and right. the fact that I've done anything nope, bad nope. in my life, it's like, oh, well, <laughs> they're going to find out and I'm going out, <laughs> you know? I guess I'll burn my Libyan passport. Yeah, I'll, I'll, oh, well. I'll see you later. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I feel like it's way more common. I don't like, maybe the UK is just some promised land, but uh, we saw, have you seen it here in the States? I don't, um, so... From, like, thinking about it and breaking it down, um, so part of it is, like, okay, well, by nature, there's, like, a generational gap between you and your parents, and especially because there's, like, not only a generational gap, but also, like, they went to school and were raised in Nibia, and you went to school and were raised here, so there's also, like, a cultural gap, and, you know, we've talked about it many times in different episodes in terms of, like, how it is to grow up here and have the expectations, right? So there's part of it where it's like, okay, they're going to be on the same mindset as my parents. Um, But now sitting down here and thinking about it, um, at least from my experience, and I will say maybe some others um, that are, that I, like some other people that I know and have spoken to about, um, I used to be very, um, I don't know, kind of like, standoffish with uh with the quote-unquote fob like uh with someone who's like come freshly from Libya because as an adolescent going to Libya 
um, and judging it based off of my personal experience there. Um, I just, uh, you know, like I, I just assume that anybody coming from there is going to be contributing to some of the negative aspects um, that I saw of what it means to be Libyan. Um, and I automatically just boxed everybody into that, into that box. So I just assumed that anybody coming from over there is going to have the same mentality, same thinking ways, same understanding, same clothing, same, right. like, you know, like down to things like that. I just thought we're like, wow, we're different. What age are we talking here? I'm talking like in my early teens, um, yeah. my early teens. Well, you're, you're, well, you're quite impressionable, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. So. Yeah, and so and those were like I guess like still the f morphing and and the understanding days where I think there is this internalized prejudice against the Libyans, and you also have this and this is Libyans in a sense where it's like I'm just talking about my personal like lineage and experience of of as a TCK, right? So I think also going to school and having that peer pressure quote-unquote of fitting in and this western world and you have to be western enough for the western club and um so you my mind gets colonized right, right? english if you don't know english you are not that educated like i had these or if even you know, if you speak english with an accent with an yeah or even english with an accent that means like mm, you're not trying hard enough or english with the wrong accent with the right. way with a wrong accent because english with uh english with a british accent is uh more intelligent and english with an australian accent or irish accent or italian accent is sexy yeah english with an english. arab accent or an indian accent or, or an asian accent is yeah is not it's is, uh is incorrect that's that's the that's the yeah. it's mm. unintelligible yeah you got the wrong accent yeah. bud. right exactly yeah. you got the wrong accent but it's so, like what do you mean and i think it wasn't until i actually moved and lived in libya and became the fob became the one who had an accent that people immediately recognized as like i understand you're libyan but where were you raised because you clearly have like some differences you know but that was also like if we if we kind of put those two side by side being a, a fob in libya compared to being a fob in america right i was accepted as libyan right it was like because mm -hmm. they'll be like oh where are you from and i'm like hmm, how dare you i'm libyan and they're like i didn't doubt your libyanness right. i just you just seem like you're a libyan who you know has a different grew up somewhere of, else you know you grew up somewhere else you have other ex exposure to other cultures so you just it just kind of shows on you right and right. so then i'd be like yeah i was you know born and raised in the states whatever it's fine but i'm still libyan um kind of thing and right. so um so seeing that difference of acceptance was eye-opening um working with people in Libya and making lifelong friends and volunteering with people like finding out that even there surprise surprise there are people like me who think like me sound like me do everything like me um and didn't have to grow up somewhere else yeah and they didn't and some of them haven't even crossed the border of libya like that's how narrow-minded insulated yeah yeah you know but like that's how like narrow-minded i was 
when I was still developing my brain. Um, I even, you know, but, um, but there's like, like a, there's a point in everyone's life where you, you see someone and you realize, oh, wait, like they've lived a, a full human experience with all, like every event that you've ever experienced, like that other person has had that too, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that realization, I think, is epic when you are like when you have impressions of someone. Yeah. Early teens mm-hmm. definitely had some internalized prejudice against Libyans. But it was also like and like I said, it was because of exposure. And I do know that there are still some others here who are still kind of like hesitant um, with the quote-unquote fobs in the community or whatever because of what they have been exposed to. But it was even, like, I remember when my brothers and I were, like, hanging out in Nibia and, like, we were involved with different groups and involved with different, like, you know, organizations. And it was just, it was fun. We, are like, volunteering was our, like, pastime. Like, it was fun for us. That was our right. outing. Right. And then after that, we would go, all of us, co-ed, sit at a cafe no big deal, right? Unheard of, kind of in Libya. Um, well, unheard, but especially for those in the States. And I remember having an argument with someone on, I don't know if you guys remember, the Free Libya days, about, yes, you can hang out co-ed. And they're like, no, 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 it's, it doesn't happen. I'm like, how are you going to tell me that this doesn't happen over there when you're on the other side of your computer screen in the States and I'm on the other side of my computer screen in Nibia physically doing that, you know? So um, I think I had to be put in a lot of, like, positions and a lot of situations for me to fully understand what it means to be... um, to be Libyan, to be quote-unquote other to be brainwashed by the west to be brainwashed by the community to be you know um and so i i like i mean even down to when i would meet new people in libya in the beginning and i i feel like i've mentioned this before where in the beginning i you know when i talked to somebody who spoke perfect english like oh where are you from like i did that whole like i presumed that you have to have lived abroad for you to learn that much like that well of spoken english um and then only to find out majority of the people who spoke english there were not raised abroad like they're not double shafra quote-unquote like how we are quote-unquote like whatever that means um and um they they're self-taught they didn't even take an English class you know it wasn't even like they went through years of English courses and now they speak perfect English um I went through seven years of French and I cannot finish two sentences back to back so you know studying a language doesn't mean it It just depends a hundred percent on the human mind and and your you know a desire to learn um and passionate about it so they would you know, learning their English, the, a lot of the time it's like, oh, from TV. Literally just from watching four English channels on TV. The end. A lot of the time, another point related to that is that the British people, for some reason, they have, a lot of them anyway, they have this trait of, well, everybody should be speaking English. Yeah. If you're coming over to England, then you need to be speaking English, mate. 
But when they go abroad, guess which language they speak? They don't speak the native language. They speak English. Right, they do. <laughs> same, same with the US. But you know what's happening? There's a lot of pushback now. So I was, I was in France and I have a friend. He is, he's actually half French, half English. And he gave me some advice. He said, listen, if a French person hears you speak English to them, they will refuse to speak English to you, even if they have the ability yeah. to do so. However, if you approach them in your broken French Attempting. and attempt to ask yeah. for directions or where can I get this or this or that, they will see you struggling and they will actually help you out and speak to you in, in English yeah. right. if they can. Put in, if you put in the effort, they'll respond. It's that effort and that respect, yeah. right? So just as some those British people expect everybody to be speaking English in the UK, afford that same level of respect for, you know, when, when you go abroad. And also extend that to people who come to the UK speaking English with an accent. Right. Yeah. It's fine. I mean, it, it's not even like, not even like the UK, the the US, not like specifically, it, it, it's kind of a global, right? Um, I remember... When we went on our honeymoon, the fact that we went out of our way to try and learn a lot of like the Swahili and like, like use words that they were teaching us and, and you know, ask, oh, what does this mean? Or how does you say yeah. this? Or like we ended up having them open up to us to a level where like they would <laughs> they would uh, they would introduce us to other people and be like, oh, watch out. They understand what you're saying. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. like and we ended up like, uh, you know, becoming friends with them, lifelong kind of thing. Like we like he our our one of our our, our lead guide. He which wishes me happy Ramadan. I wish him happy Easter. Right. Like it's you know, we we stay in touch because we ended up, you know, building bonds, trying to overcome kind of like. Not overcome, but like taking the time to learn kind of the language and, you know, showing effort and interest in other people, right? They all spoke fluent English, right? They, we, we didn't need to do any of that. Like, we could just speak English louder or with an accent, which is usually the solution. <laughs> um, or, or I said, how do down. you get to the shops? It's like, like, bro, oh, no, no, please stop. And even, <laughs> and even then, like you, you start like in sowing this doubt or whatever, cause you don't understand the English that's coming at you. And I, I really do think that's because like growing up, like we're exposed to this accented English of all different kinds. Cause of like, like a diverse community but if you grow up hearing only a certain accent of english um it's just going to be so uh unintelligible to you like you won't be able to recognize it mm. um and, and I, I think that's that's also part of it where it's like like your dad is speaking english that totally makes sense like he's pronunciating it and using the right words and a better vocabulary than say those people in his mother tongue but like because other people aren't used to hearing different Englishes, then mm. it, it it gets lost on them, right? Yeah. Right, right. Anyway, that's my working theory. <laughs> it gets lost on them, but it's also a hundred percent get that. Because um, even here, right? If somebody has a really thick Southern accent and you talk to somebody from the North, yep, they're not going to understand each other. Yeah. Like, you know, and... and um, Just say, like you go into Boston for the first time or yeah. something. 
to Boston or like, or even because there's like the terminology and the dialect and like a lot of it is is different. Right. Like we say soda, they say pop, you know, like um, or you say Coke, Coke means a soda. So mm-hmm. different places say different things, but also like even the pronunciation and like if you're talking to somebody like from deep deep south like no longer not talking with you like this when you're just going like, mumble all the words and you're right and like my dad like can't understand any of yeah. that english <laughs> i can understand that english yeah but <laughs> like and i think it's it is an effort i feel like it's something that should be talked about more so that way you know kind of having this conversation will allow people to recognize I don't want to say their faults. I don't want to say their their lacking. What is? No, I think I think it's just a matter of like realizing realizing that, that yeah. because you haven't like exposed yourself or been exposed to, um, you know, other ways of living or saying things. Like mm-hmm. like even pe- like uh for instance like my friend uh. One of my friends from college, like, well-read, but didn't really, like, grew up kind of in a small small town. Like, she came, like, straight-A student, better grades than I have. But, like, there were just words that she would use, but um, she wouldn't pronounce them correctly. Because she's never heard someone say them out loud. Like, yeah. she's only read those words. You I know what that. I mean? So, she'll use a word, and we'll just be like, um... Do you mean this? And then we'll all like, she'll be like, oh, I'm embarrassed that we all laugh about it, right? Because, like, genuinely, it's a moment of realization. Like, for me, it was like, oh, like, this super intelligent and capable person, like, just was never exposed to this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And is going out of their way to expose themselves. Yeah. Whereas, you know, some people are never exposed to it and not trying to get exposed like not yeah. like recognizing the that there is like other ways or there is there are like other uh other things out there that are worth looking into yeah I guess. Uh, like the refusal i think i like i think it's for me the willful refusal of acknowledgement of different right i guess yeah um which We've been like different has been painted to be such a negative thing for so long that people refuse different, and I'm just like mm, the diff- the more different the better, you know. <laughs> like it just I, I must collect them. Yes, <laughs> gotta catch them. If all. I may, oh, if I may, just to kind of piggyback on your point, Ahmed, mm. I feel lack of exposure is why we have what we have today when it comes to people uh, not really understanding. Uh, perhaps different pronunciations of certain words or accented English. But I feel that it is changing. It is. With the world becoming, you know, to kind of sound very cliche, with the world becoming a very global village. Right. um, With more and more artists coming out from Africa, from Asia, they are being exposed. People in the West are being exposed to these artists who do speak English. Right. They are being exposed to their accented English. And they are slowly learning, oh, okay, okay, you know what? No, no, I'm getting used to this. I'm understanding this now. Just to kind of like add to that, though, when talking about exposure, I think it's very, 
very important to recognize that not only do like not only um is it necessary to have more exposure but i think it's also a correct exposure or like a more like i don't even want to say just show the more positive side i'm just the, the correct exposure because the narrative is so let's say like a holistic a fair exposure yeah, yeah fair, fair, exposure. fair. Yeah, yeah yeah like a fair exposure because the like for example like you know like it, it just and i think that's why people i think that's why people some people i i cannot general generalize to all um but i think that's why some people who are willfully ignorant or willfully choose not to try to understand is because say a person comes up to them with an, a thick arab accent accent uh you know whatever part of from whatever part of the region i think there's this immediate like click in their head is if they're talking in that kind of accent that means they're that's terrorist territory so right. i'm going to be as cold as distant as whatever as possible because just it just because of the only exposure in they get in the media and when we say media that doesn't um only mean the news mean the news it's like all forms of media it shows social media um movies show like all of it is the arab persons usually the terrorist in the back of uh whatever you know um van yeah you know and so um so i think it's uh having a fair exposure so that way you know, you don't have your friend's mom from high school come up to you and be like, you're one of the good ones. Well, I mean, that, that's, a, that's <laughs> you know? kind of that's kind of what I was trying to get. Yeah. Uh, I was going to go to next where it's like you you have you have like fob aversion or just like aversion yeah. generally where it's like you just exclude and don't talk like yeah. you don't even open up like to that. or And then you have like tokenization, yeah. right, where you selectively allow people into kind of your your comfort zone or you like selectively expose yourself to so for instance like um someone who has like a libyan friend right uh i say oh i'm libyan the the response might be oh you don't look libyan (laughs) where it's like oh well you know we're very diverse looking people right like it's like oh you don't look latino it's like compare like a chilean to a ecuadorian and and tell me that latin america is all the same you know like right um it that that kind of is is i don't know if it's like more dangerous but it's that's i think the willful like we're talking about like the two sides of it right where one side is you're exposed to certain things, right? And being exposed can mean that you have like a Libyan friend, right? And that could be the extent, or a Muslim friend, that can be the extent of, you know, how much you want to in like be exposed to kind of that whole world and culture, right? But then there's that other part where it's like exposing yourself to those things, like seeking it out to understand it before passing judgment kind of uh, on an entire people or just like, reserving judgment i understand that you have different priorities in your life right like Mm -hmm. it's not maybe not your priority to go and like look into the very interesting history of libya um (laughs) but uh like objective opinion uh, totally objective actually yeah objectively very interesting the crossroads of the anyway (laughs) um but uh at least at the very least reserving your judgment before 
how can you build an opinion? How can you tell me whether we're on the same side or not? Yeah. Before you even look into who I am and what I believe. You, but some people are just so ready to make enemies that they will classify you as an enemy. That is a default position until proven otherwise. Right. You're guilty until proven innocent. Right. Not and it's like sometimes it's not even malicious. It's like fear. It's mm-hmm. like um, negligence. It's laziness. Right. Um, but it regardless of where the intent is. It, uh, it comes off the same way, right? At least maybe even do a, like kind of what I do. Like I, if I'm watching a show, if I'm watching a movie, if I'm reading an article and it's there's a question mark to the side, maybe go do your research about this country. I don't know. A lot of people like when things went down with Hillary Clinton and Benghazi, like nobody went and like searched up what Libya is. They just immediately were like... If you say you're from Libya, a new thing. It used to be Gaddafi. Now it's like, oh, Benghazi. I'm just like, oh, my God. Right. You know, and even there's Don't that. Don't even know where it is on a map. You know, right. and so it just like. Benghazi, that's in the Caribbean, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes, it yes, sounds it, it yeah. sounds pretty Caribbean-esque. I mean, the but... fact that, like, Benghazi is associated with emails, it's like. I was when I went to Libya. I had internet on the receipt, right? You had to buy little cards to get internet credits. You didn't like. You didn't have like internet. The irony, right? It's like, oh yes, email. That's what I think of when I think of Benghazi. <laughs> okay, so here's what I think, though. Right, this is why I think it's crucial that we, as as a people, really start getting into the media field. You know, we need producers, we need directors, we need actors. How else are you going to be producing TV shows and movies to counter the narrative that's being pushed now? In the last two months, I've listened to three audio dramas from the BBC. Every single one of them has a Muslim terrorist. Right. Or a Muslim who's kind of shady. Right. Really, guys? I, th- I think one of, the, one of the most painful kind of realizations for me is um, seeing... You know, people in like the Arab Muslim community, uh, like, embrace their faith, and like, in doing so, their parents or like their their aunts or their uncles, like, who are Muslim, who are Arab, who care about like Islam, show genuine fear that they might be radicalized, right? It's like mm. this narrative has been pushed down onto like these communities, our communities so much that it's even kind of in our own mind, right? Which I think is just it's terrifying to think that like someone who's right. so is so proudly Muslim or so proudly Arab like suddenly having to be afraid of oh if my child is you know wants to celebrate their faith or celebrate their culture like i you know what if they do radicalize you know um Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. i I think that's such a toxic kind of um narrative that's but it's the only narrative that you really see in 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 media that's why things like like the pillars fund that uh that's coming out is like are so important well with the resentment yeah 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 the Pillars Fund did like this this whole study about how like Muslim characters that show up in in popular films, and they found that like ninety percent of films, ninety point five percent of films, are missing Muslim representation. 
um, like there are no Muslim characters whatsoever, and those that do have Muslims um, are generally roles of either like a token Muslim, where it's like we have this Muslim woman, but you know she's in the emergency room and she needs to create a tourniquet out of her hijab. Oh, you know. It's like... Wait, 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 no, no, no. Tell what she what she's in the hospital, right? Right, she's in the hospital. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait, wait, no. Let's take the step by step. She's in the hospital. She's a doctor, right? Right. Okay, then no, that's cool because there are supplies in the cupboard. She can go. She can go to the storeroom. It's like everybody, let's go she get go the to supplies. The storeroom, right? Get, get supplies. Have much bandages, yeah. right? No, no, no. That, that's what happened, right? Right. No. Right. What happened of happening? No. What well, okay. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> tell me. Tell, t- no? tell us. Tell us. What, what did happen? Pray tell. Pray tell. She. What did this hijabi do? Slid this this sterile hijab off her head and then tourniqueted. Completely safe. Completely safe. Tourniqueted this bleeding out patient on the table and then was like, oh, it's. I know it's against my faith, but I have to save his life. And, like, literally, like, behind her are doctors with bandages. And it's like, oh, yeah, right. No, this is this is so great. Like, you know, it's stuff like that where it's a narrative of, like... Wow, you are finally an American. Yeah. Thank you for proving it. Welcome. Exactly. It's stuff... Yeah, no. Like, the love story where, like, the Arab girl meets the, the non-Arab guy and, and she... like, leaves her whole family and religion because that's, like, I'm oppressed, you know? Um, it's no longer the hijab; it is now the liberty scarf. Right, the, exactly. Right, like French fries to all star fries. Like, wow. friggin', I don't even get it. No, like but... half of the like uh, from the Pillars Fund, they said like half of the uh, the primary or secondary Muslim characters were like targets of violence, and. Uh, like 40% of them were actually like perpetrating violence, right? Like it's just, when you see Muslims in films, they're either getting like oppressed or they are killing people, right? Right. Because there is no normal day-to-day life in the Muslim world. You know, people don't go about their business, you know, going to work, raising a family, uh, starting, starting businesses, creating art. We don't do that kind of stuff. You know, we're either killing or being killed. That's all we do. Right. And like, I I used to make this joke all the time where it's like, I get it. Al Jazeera. Like you can't show (laughs) Abdullah show like baking cookies for his family. Right. That doesn't make good media. (laughs) Like like we don't, we don't need all of it, you know? much for listening in we look forward to hearing more from y'all on our patreon twitter and instagram pages all third culture block with the three this is wasal ahmed and muhammad